0: welcome to our youtube channel as you take time to listen to god's word today with us we believe that your faith will be strengthened up each day and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family so we are part of the series that we started from the first week of december first sunday of december and we have been just learning from one verse what is that verse john three sixteen. everybody knows john three sixteen it is the most Memorized verse is the most verse that you know. Any kid tell me a Bible verse, they'll usually go with either John three sixteen or or Psalms twenty three one. The Lord is my shepherd. Great. But today we are not focusing on Psalms twenty three. We are focusing on John three sixteen. Can we all say it out loud? John three sixteen. God so. Amen. This is the way that he made for us so that we can have hope, so that we can have favor. Amen. So this, from this particular verse, we are looking at seven great realities of John 3.16. The first reality is, who is this God? It says, for God so loved the world. What kind of God? What kind of world that he gave? Reality number two, what kind of world do we live in? Reality number three, last week we saw he gave. What does that mean? You know, the giving that he gave is not borrowed from somebody else, but it's a direct giving from heaven. It's not just something that he picked out of many things that he had. No, he gave his only son, which means that it was a sacrificial giving. Amen made in heaven, decided in heaven. It was part of God's plan and he gave it to us. Today, we are gonna look at reality number four and reality number five, which is son and believe. Who is this son and why should we believe him? So the title of my sermon this morning is Believing in the Son of God. If you're taking notes, you can write this down Believing in the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Many people find it hard to believe this. Many people find it hard to reason this or understand this love. Because this love is unconditional. This love is unlimited. This love is something that God did not put any conditions on so that if you do this, I will do that. It's just unmerited Favor As humans, we are not, you know, we are not wired or conditioned to understand such unmerited favor because our brain always works in a way that we ask this question, hey, it all sounds so good, but what's the catch? Right? That's the question we ask, but what's the catch here? And then Kar is like, you are my sons and my daughters. I will not let you perish and die in your own sins. He is a God of love, but is also a God of justice. Where there is sin, there has to be a punishment. But he did not want that punishment to go on us. So he took that place. And in order for us to live a life full of grace and love, he went through suffering. He went through the trouble. He went through the problem so that you and I can live under the unmerited favor. What is the catch here? There is no catch here. The reason why there is no catch here is because he is our great God, creator God, but at the same time, he is our father. He's our father. So as a father to his own children, he is loving unconditionally. He is giving everything. There are a few things that is crystal clear in John's gospel, even though it might sound mysterious, because. If you read any gospel, um, Matthew, Luke, if if you read those gospels, you see that it's mostly highlighted on the events around Jesus. But if you read John the gospel, it is more doctrinal. It has got more theology in it. And it talks more about the existence of Jesus himself in this gospel. So if you ask yourself the question, did Jesus exist before Christmas? I had a couple of young people who asked me this question. So where was Jesus before he was born? What about this character Jesus? Why did he have to come to earth? Why is he saying that he is the only way, the truth and the life? If he is claiming that he he is the way, truth and the life, which means that he is saying that everything else is a lie. So why does he claim that to be the truth? So we're going to look at all these questions today. But we're going to start from John chapter one, verse one. And it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So here we are introduced to the word. So John starts with the very nature of who God is. You know, this world did not come out of some, uh, you know, uh, a, a big bang. It did not come out of some some sort of, um, you know, other uh, terrestrial activities or the aliens had a fellowship and they all, um, you know, just uh, designed or decided to create another earth and we are all experiments in it. No such theories. John makes it very simple. In the beginning was the word. In other words, he's saying all we could do is that we could only hear God, but we couldn't even imagine what he would look like. But yet his existence was so clear, was so powerful, and was so real. So John introduced this gospel saying, In the beginning was the Word. And he says three things the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, same chapter, chapter 1, verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father. So when John writes about in the beginning was the word, he's talking about a Trinitarian God. He's talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three existing together as one God, playing their unique roles as they're supposed to be. But there was this one in verse 14 That word that spoke everything into existence. Now, we need to understand this. Everything that you see around us, if you read Hebrews chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, it talks about the magnificence of God and how everything is still around us is listening to that voice from John 1.1. He spoke everything into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. He spoke everything into existence. So everything was created out of that word. And this is even before we had our language. This is before we even had our own letters. This is before your education. This is before anything that you could ever think of, any innovations, inventions that we could ever plan and claim credit for. This is way before when everything was empty, a clean canvas, and there was only one thing, which was the word of God. That's how powerful God's word is. That's how important God's word is. So even now the sun is raising and the sun is setting down. The clouds stay where they're supposed to stay. The sky stays where they're supposed to be. The galaxy are positioned and they are staying where they are supposed to stay because everything is sustained by that word that was spoken. Nobody ever claims or 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 ever says as, as as human beings or scientists and saying that, you know, the sun has decided for this one year that it's not gonna raise or it's not gonna set. There's no such thing. It just keeps doing its part. the earth keeps spinning you know it keeps doing its part because everything is sustained by the word and that word this is what this is why it's so powerful in verse 14 it says that word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what we are celebrating. that's why that's the reason for the season Jesus. We saw that video which was so meaningful that we have replaced this powerful God with so many materialistic things. He was showing a gummy bear. They were showing another, uh, you know, a creepy doll face and all these kind of different things. But just to portray that it is the same in our hearts because we all have a beautiful heart, a beautiful soul, which was also created and spoken by this word and this Jesus that became flesh is dwelling in our hearts so the real manger is here amen the real manger is here and in that manger is there Jesus seated or is there a gummy bear your gummy bear could be different from mine what does that gummy bear represent? It could be anything that you replace Jesus with. If you have replaced your heart and your love for God, for the love for materialistic things, money, power, authority, just one particular relationship, if you have replaced all of that, you know, if you replace Jesus with all of these things in your life, then you don't have Jesus in your heart. But yet you can sing carols loudly. You can go for outreaches. We can do missions. But check your manger. Turn to the person who's sitting next to you. Look at them and tell them with a beautiful smile, can you check your manger? Because I'm going to check mine. Yeah? Did you say it? If you didn't say it, then you don't like the person who's sitting next to you you have a problem with that person so let's 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 give it a go again shall we look at them and tell them if you're sitting next to your wife or your husband it's your opportunity to be romantic everything that you missed out this week make it up i'm giving you a great opportunity look to look into their eyes and tell them right can you please check your manger cuz i'm going to check mine It is so important that we keep check of our heart if it's really Jesus that is at the center of our hearts. We got to be realistic about that. This verse clarifies three things. See, Jesus is a son of God and he came to this world not through a physical, worldly physical intimacy. If you see how Mary received a prophecy and he was conceived through the Holy Spirit, which means that he stands outside the human DNA. He stands outside the the bloodline of what we carry. He is of divine nature. So when Jesus was existing on this earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. Can you imagine if you had all the divine nature in you and yet you have to live like a man? Like if if God gave you one superpower, pick anything. If you if God today comes and goes, what do you want for this Christmas? And Getty goes, I just want the power to be invisible, and you will see the mic moving, but you will not see anyone. You will see chairs floating. <laughs> By itself, like if you had one superpower as a, as a human, which is you know that basically your superpower, you'd use it all the time, right? You would want to show off to people, and then you would want to like just tell people and and how great you are, and and then you would try to find a cause and a purpose around that power and try to do good or try to do bad, whatever your heart is leading you to do, but you will do everything in your power to use that particular supernatural nature that is in you. But here is a God who existed in John one, 1 in the beginning, and that word became flesh and came and started dwelling among us, and he had 100% divine nature in him, but yet he chose to be 100% human for your sake and my sake. This is why whenever I read that particular passage, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and, and, and these guys say, hey, if you are the king, why don't you save yourself? Come off the cross and show us that you are the son of God. And I always wanted God, you should have just done that. And maybe just go back to the cross. I don't know, but you should have just done that. Have you ever felt that or is it just me? Yeah, everybody, right? We just want those guys who nailed Jesus to the cross to really see that he is the son of God. But then he chose not to waver from the purpose because he was not here to show off to others, but he was here to show us the way to heaven. That was his purpose. As much as he had divine nature in him, he did not come from a physical intimacy between a man and a woman. He came from the throne room of God. He came directly to our existence fully as human, fully as God, but yet he chose to remain as a human being. But the, the, the other part of the word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes. So now we understand who the son of God is, is fully God and fully man. But who are we believing? Are we believing Jesus the man or are we believing Jesus the God? Now this is where the problem comes. This is where many people get confused. This is where other religious people also have the same question. Who was he really? Some call him prophets. Some call him he was just a man. Many people say that he was God. So when you believe, who are you believing? Are you believing that he's Jesus, the man? Or are you believing he's Jesus, God? Four observations about this believing. And if you want to write this down, you can do this. Write this down. First, it means that, you know, in that verse where it says that whoever believes, it means that God's grace and love is available for everybody it's available for everybody at the same time it's not available for everybody and there is no catch here there's no twist in this because when god created us he didn't create us like robots where he already configured something in us and we would just switch on and start believing in jesus he gave us a choice he gave us free will because that's what the image of God means. When God said, I am creating you in my image, he added that extra component called free will. because there is will of God and there's will of man. When God created humans, he created under the will of God. But when we chose to sin against God, that will split into two and it became will of God and will of man. Until that sin happened, It was only one will, which is the will of God. So we were all created under the will of God. We were all living under the will of God. We were all living under the grace of God. But every time you choose to do something that is just man-made and it's your instinct and it's out of your selfishness, that is outside the will of God. So it is your own will. So if you are asking God, Lord, show me your will. It's very simple. As long as you obey and follow the word, you are inside the will of God. Because God's grand plan is different from knowing his will. If you want to find out or understand the mind of God, your mind is not capable enough to understand the mind of God. Are you with me? Our mind is not capable to understand the grandness and the grandeur of God's mind because it's so vast. But he tells us what we need to know here and now. He gives us and speaks to us uh, the word every day. And if we trust him and when we follow him with 100% obedience, we remain in his grand mind design, in his will, and we walk in his favor. So this opportunity is available for everybody. But in that verse it says, whoever believes in him will not perish. It takes faith to receive what God has for us. Where is your faith this Christmas? As you celebrate this season, can you self-examine yourself when you used to first follow Jesus, your faith level, and how you loved God, and the kind of faith you had, and as you started walking, as you started having various, you know, experiences in life, is your faith wavered? Is your faith diluted? Is your faith move, Has your faith moved from truth to opinions, or are you still in the truth of what Jesus has done for you? If you're not a Christian and if you're here with us for the first time and if you're thinking, what is this faith that he's talking about? And how can I receive this? All you need to do is just embrace the truth. Because when you say, whoever believes in him, only the people who believes in the truth shall be set free. Truth is out there. Just because truth is out there doesn't mean that everybody believes the truth. Are you with me? Have you experienced that in your life? You would be saying, I I am telling you the truth. This is what happened. But if they choose not to believe, until then it will be a, a lie. And any truth that is not embraced leads to denial. So whoever is living in denial cannot make it into the kingdom of God. But whoever opens their eyes and embraces the truth and the truth that is right in front of them, that Jesus loves them, cares for them, and if all they need to do is just believe in their heart, just believe that He is real, and that He can come and change their lives, and if you can just pray and receive that God in your heart, that changes the trajectory of your life, that changes your future, that changes everything about you. But all it takes is belief. So for the ones who have not yet believed in Jesus, I invite you, take a step of faith. It is, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. There are a lot of good people in this world and no amount of goodness you can keep doing in order to get the favor of God or the love of God. In fact, you don't need to do anything to receive his love. The very reason why you are alive, the very reason of your existence is because God loves you. So you don't have to do anything to claim that. It is already there. All you need to do is just receive it. Just embrace the truth. For those of you who have already embraced the truth, you're already Christians and and you're already walking with God, can you check and examine yourself? Where is your faith in Christ Jesus? Where is your belief? Is it undivide? Is it divided, or is it just focused on Jesus alone? Are you letting other things influence your faith? Are you letting other things influence your belief, or are you purely believing in Jesus? You know, John chapter one verse eleven and twelve it shows another word. You know, John has this word in his mind to explain what does it mean to believe and receive in Jesus, and and it says he came to his own people. And even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now this verse changes everything for us. The very purpose that he came is to accept us, is to take us, to make us children. So all you need to do is to believe in what God has done for you. And when you believe, he gives you a right Have you heard of legal rights? Have you heard of legal rights? Do you know what your legal right is? What are your rights? According to the Constitution of India, what what does every citizen have as a right? Pastor, all of a sudden, this turned into a social studies class. What are your rights? Right to Eta. Who said that? Speak, okay, right to speak, right to vote, right to information, okay, and then, right to, right to property, well, if you have. That right to property is a big uh, subject, okay, what are the other rights, okay. So this is under the constitution, right? Now if you go to your when you go back home and you go meet your parents do you want to talk about rights to them? And you say something to them it's my right to speak and daddy will say it's my right to slap Some people are already feeling it Ah, I remember that that tooth is still aching pastor please pray for its healing why we don't talk rights in family well we do at later stages but the beginning why don't we why we don't talk about rights in family is it the rights that dominate or is it love that dominates in this verse we see that god is giving us a right to be called as His children and to belong to Him. But this right is not just a right where you want to claim blessings from Him, claim this and that, but this is a right to just walk in and say, He's my Father. This right should open your mind to understand who you are and your relationship with God. This is not just a right to claim certain things. But this right is for you to understand your existence in Christ Jesus. And with that existence, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to His children. So this will change our prayers. This will change the way we talk to God. Many people struggle to pray because we have made prayer complicated. Have you ever gone to your own father and your mother and go like art my father I am thy son I would like Dawat to pay for thy fees so that I can continue to go to college you know you just have a conversation right dad fees pay panano no It's a normal conversation. And any responsible father, responsible mother, parent understands that burden and ensures that the child, whatever the needs, the need of the child is provided. Now, there is another conversation. I just gave you an example of a basic, of a need. Then there are wants, things that you want, but you don't need. And in that conversation, that conversation goes a little different. Dad, you know, in my college, my friend, her dad, brought bought her an iPhone 14 Pro for her birthday. Nice, no, daddy? The dad is like, yeah, good for her. I don't like her father though. And you go kind of around some things to convince your family because you know you don't need it, but you want it. This is how our prayers are often. Sometimes we use flowery language and we use, you know, some extra fittings so that we can get what we want and and, and also what we need. But When you truly understand your relationship with God, the only thing that you need is His love. And the only thing He wants from us is our love. And to have that relationship intact and everything flows from love. When everything flows from love, there is no demand. When you demand, that is not love. Because love cannot be demand. This solves most of our problems. When we truly understand this, whether it's our relationship with God, relationship with our own children or family, when you truly understand that everything flows out of love, you receive God in a way that you have never received him before. And you experience what God has for your life like never before. So this is so important to understand who we believe. You're not just believing a God who is so distant and waiting to punish you. He's a God who is so close to you, knows your heart, knows what you're going through, knows your your weaknesses, knows your faults from the past, knows your present and also knows your future. He's a God who has written your destiny and he is not waiting to figure out with you. He has already figured it out. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a great future. And our God is already waiting at the future. He knows our end. He knows our climax. And it's fully hopeful. It's full of hope. There is no fear in that. All we need to do is march towards Him. Draw closer to Him. Go deeper in our relationship with Him. Let's not alter or replace Jesus with anything else in our lives and in our hearts. Don't replace Jesus with anything else in your families. In your personal life, don't replace Jesus with anything else. Give him the center place in your heart. And you will see the miracle. There are times when miracle happens right in front of us, but it does not look like a miracle to us because we don't believe. And yet we pray, Lord, I'm waiting for a miracle. This is the greatest miracle that ever happened to humanity. The birth of Jesus and the very purpose that he came. So if you're going to receive Jesus in your heart, what are you going to receive him as? John 6.35, it says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What Jesus is offering you is not a temporary fix. It's not just a fix that you can take from one Monday to another Monday, He's giving you a permanent solution. This Jesus, this hope that you can receive it from Him is not just a temporary fix for your problems. It will change the direction of your life. It will give you a hope like never before. And it will fix your life in a way that anyone who tries to break it cannot break it. Because it's strong, it's sturdy, and it's the love of God. And that's the only thing that can sustain you. So once you come to this bread of life, you will never hunger. Has there, has there any restaurants that you've ever walked to and they give you a promotion that says, if you eat in our restaurant, hereafter you will not be hungry. Right? And Now, if I read that signboard, I would be like, do I want to go there? Because I like to eat. I like my hunger. But that's our physical nature. But when it comes to our soul, there is an emptiness in all of our hearts. And the only person who can fill that emptiness is the love of God and the peace of that Jesus Christ offers. In my heart, I don't want to be empty. I want to be full full of love, full of grace and full of peace. And Jesus is offering, he's saying that if you come to me, if you accept me, if you continue to remain in me and I will remain in you, the very God whose word existed from the beginning is still existing in my heart and in your heart. The same word is existing among us. All we need to do is receive it. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. Hope it was a blessing for you as well as your family. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingscitychurchorg forward slash give. And we will meet you next week with another inspiring sermon. God bless you.